Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Today, we're looking back at the memory of the dance we didn't share with one of the world's biggest country music stars in 2014. I don't need to remind everyone what we've been through over the past 18 months. Um, We're hankering for huge events again. It was the showbiz fiasco of the decade and the country music drama we didn't even know we needed. You've got it with news this week that Garrett Brooks will be returning to Croke Park next year to stage a series of concerts. We take a look back at the Garrett Gate fiasco and ask if this time around he'll be able to finish what he intended to do seven years ago as local residents again say they'd prefer if tomorrow never comes. There's a limit of three events per annum. I don't care if they bring in Yogi Bear and Boo Boo or the Stones, maybe talk with the Stones, bring back the Stones, yeah, good old Fred and Barney. I don't care who they put in there. I don't want three events in a row or four events in a row or five in a row. We have to put up with three. That's what the law states. I'm Fionn Sheen and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today I'm joined by Irish independent entertainment correspondent Melanie Finn and music writer John Marr to find out if the planned Garrett Brooks concert next year can keep out of controversy this time. Melanie Finn, Garrett Brooks' original hit was I'm much too young to feel this damn old and you'd feel that way now if you could remember the 1997 epic uh, concert in Croke Park and then the botched one in 2014, Ireland's most famous event, never to happen. We could have missed the pain, we'd have had to miss the dance. Tell us about the pain and the dance of 2014 and Garrett Gate. Yeah, there's people like myself who covered it back in 2014. I still have PTSD from it. Um, quaking in my boots at the thought of going into... Um, another saga again. Garth Gate, um, aka the Bay, Bay of the Gigs, um, you know, the gig, the showbiz event that never happened. So January 2014, Aiken Promotions amid much fanfare along with Garth Brooks himself announced that he was going to play two dates in Crow Park in July. Everyone was massively excited. There was overnight queues down in the Ticketmaster outlets. This was still when people used to queue up for gigs with the excitement. So it sold out in record time. So that's 160,000 tickets right. gone. Yeah. Another date was added. So we're now date. at 240,000 tickets. So then a fourth date was added. 320,000 tickets. Eventually, we reached full capacity at a fifth date. 400,000 tickets, about one in 12 of the, the population north and south. Exactly. Stetson hat sales around the country went into overdrive. People were really excited. It was a huge event of the summer. Five nights in Crow Park. 
consecutively had never been done before, but he was going to make history by taking to the stage in, you know, the GAA Mecca on the north side. It couldn't have been a bigger event. And let's not forget, like 2014, we would still be really in the recession there. You know, people didn't have a lot of money. So they would have got their tickets and then booked their accommodation early, their transport costs, all the rest. There was people flying into Ireland from all over the world for this event. Because Gareth Brooks said, I really want to do Dublin. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be my first gig since 1997. It's going to be the event of the year. One small problem, Fanon. The tickets were sold subject to license. That's the fine print at the bottom of the ticket. That no one ever reads, right? Mm. And it's usually never a problem, right? Aiken Promotions did not have a license for five gigs. What they could put on, in in theory, was three, okay? In Crow Park, the way it's, um, it's worked out with the planning authorities, because it's a heavily residential area, they can lay on three gigs a year. Um, I think it's an exemption via board planola where they don't have to get a license. So they're called special events. It's a special events license. Problem is, One Direction had nipped in there before Garp Brooks and they played three dates in May. So what were they going to do? Apply for an OEL, an outdoor event license, right? Problem was, that wasn't going to work either. Not for five nights. So... Gradually, there was also a campaign building from the Residents Association around Crow Park. They're extremely organized. They were very adapted to dealing with the media. They could teach our politicians a thing or two, I think. And they weren't happy about this. They said there wasn't enough consultation. And five nights, 400, like, you know, nearly half a million people pouring into that tiny neighborhood. And it is a heavy, heavily residential area. That's a lot of people. They weren't happy. It turned into a, a political circus, in effect. We we had Enda Kenny, we had Bertie O'Hearn, Kieran Mulvey, Christy Burke, the, the Lord Mayor, the Mexican ambassador to Ireland at, at one point, favorite, yeah. g- uh, getting involved. And here's a, a special plea that, that Garrett Brooks himself made, asking for the gigs to go ahead. And if the Prime Minister himself wants to talk to me, I will crawl, swim, I will fly over there this weekend, sit in front of him, I will drop on my knees and beg for those 400,000 people to just have fun and let him come see. Enda Kenny at, at that time, 2014, was the year of the of the water charges protest. As you said, the country was still coming out of, of a recession. A lot of stuff on, on his agenda. And here's what he was been asked about in the doll. If government decided to intervene here by emergency legislation, first of all, you'd be accused of doing down the rights of residents who have rights, of course. Secondly, you'd be accused of interfering on top of a planning process that the local, the city council here have a duty, uh, have a duty and responsibility to deal with. So effectively, the residents had, had the law on their, their side. Garrett Brooks had God, I suppose, on, on, on his side. <laughs> that was, and the fans had hope. Um, Garrett Brooks doubled down, though, in effect, said, no, I'm not doing three, I'm only doing five. So there was a very famous press conference in Nashville on July 9th and a raft of Irish reporters were promptly dispatched to cover it the days before Zoom. He had to actually physically attend events. And he spoke about his fondness for Ireland and his love of the Irish people and how badly he wanted to perform to 400,000 fans. But for him, it was all or nothing. 
That's literally what he said. He said it's five or nothing. Aiken and the GAA um, chiefs, the powers that be in Crow Park, they came back with this kind of strange convoluted plan of doing five shows by putting on two matinees. So essentially getting all the five in in three days. And he said, no, it was a nighttime show. You know, the stage has been purposely built for Crow Park. Don't forget that stage is in storage somewhere as well. Might be wheeling it out next year. But he said, no, it's five or nothing. I will not disappoint, you know, the 160,000 fans who have paid to see me at a nighttime show. That's not going to work for so me. So this was all about the 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 staging of, of the event, the spectacle. It's, yeah. it's a big razzmatazz event yeah. with, with a, a massive stage and a, and a, and, a, and it, it's a show. He is a mm. he's a performer. He he's not Ed Sheeran sitting there with an old guitar up and up on top of the stage. No. So where when did we finally get to a crescendo where it was quite clear this wasn't going to happen? When he came back and he said five or nothing, Dublin City Council had released a statement saying the most we can we can give is three. You know, there was effectively a gentleman's agreement with the residents living locally and also the planning laws back that up. You know, you can't circumnavigate the planning laws of Ireland just because you want to, you know, play for your, your throngs of fans. It doesn't work like that. You know, and he came back afterwards and he was like, you know, you guys, you need to fix your planning laws. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but I just think he, he he was overly ambitious. Five nights. I mean, you two haven't even played five nights in Crow Park. I think it was too much. And in a way, I can kind of sympathize with the residents down there because for a while they were the most hated and reviled group um, living anywhere in Ireland because they were accused of effectively holding the country to ransom, you know, these 400,000 um, ticket holders. So eventually, a couple of days after that press conference, you know, there was a formal statement saying, that's it, the gig's been cancelled, you can get your money back in your tickets. But people still lost a shed load amount on not full refunds from the hotels, from their accommodation costs, from their transport costs and the fact that people would have had flights to fly in and it was so soon before the gigs. It was around two weeks before the, the gigs were supposed to happen. The whole thing was a disaster from start to finish. You know, it should have been properly planned from the start. But then as Garth Brooks would say, I'll never reach my destination if I never try. <laughs> I'm loving all these Garth Brooks puns. Exactly. Yeah. He never got the chance. Left the big city for the simple country life. Found myself a woman that it took for me to be my wife. Speaking of friends in low places, I'm joined now by my fellow Tipperary man, John Marr. John, uh, Garrett Brooks, he's not a man who has ever seen a blue moon over Kentucky or a Wichita lineman or explained what he's going to do when he gets to Phoenix or or how he's going to get there in the first place. Uh, He's more a a kind of a rock star with a tinge of country and wearing a, a Stetson. What's the appeal to him in Ireland? Yeah, that's a that's the, the well in his case the five hundred million dollar question. Um, it's quite extraordinary because his his era is the late eighties, early nineties, and he was mega seller back then and adored in Ireland and came here a little bit at the time and played a Croke Park show in the nineties. But since then, there's been very little that's captured any zeitgeist anywhere, and yet. This is astonishing. Last month in America, he was playing sold out stadia across the board. The most recent gig from less than a month ago saw 86,000 tickets sold in 75 minutes. So I think there's a sense of the kind of rock star 
pushing country, pushing a bit of pop. There's loads of nostalgia at play as well. He certainly was a good showman at one stage. We all remember the guitar smashing antics on stage, the racing around. I mean, he would have moved more on stage in the early 90s than the collective members of Boyzone and Westlife. Well, they only... They only sat in their stools and stood and, up and, and, for, that, was, yeah. for the chorus, yeah. Is that a high energy buck clipping around the stage big, and big jumping time. up and down yeah, and swinging the guitar and a all hu- that. Huge amount of theatrics. I mean, almost like a meatloaf type uh, event. I mean, I looked some, at some of the old concerts online last night and there was a lot happening on stage. First of all, the stages are absolutely massive. I mean, the one that was in Croke Park in the 90s was bigger than anything U2 put up. It went right, I think it was facing the Hogan stand and ran from Hill 16 to what was then the the canal end. I've certainly never seen anything bigger than it. Um, And I'm sure if he does get the go ahead for Croker next year, it will be even more Gargan tuned than that because this is a man from day one, who's all about size. Everything is big. The songs are huge and anthemic. To me, as a chin-stroking muso bore, they're not very good, but they're they're massive, they're anthemic, they're very memorable, they catch a lot of people. And that might explain why he could command five shows at Croke Park, because I can't think of anybody else who could. Yeah, is there anybody? I mean, Bruce Springsteen, we have a great love affair with, we, with him here. We, or, we, or is that just a certain cohort of people have a we, love we affair We absolutely with do. But I, hand and heart, can't imagine Springsteen being able to command five shows. I think he could do three, which is astounding. Bear in mind, Taylor Swift, one of the biggest stars on the planet, came here a couple of years ago. Pockets of empty seats everywhere in Croke Park. Um... It's, it's, I mean, you two at their absolute pomp are doing three nights there. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a sense that this is completely different. But we Irish have a strange tendency to really root behind certain people. I mean, you look at the Ed Sheeran phenomenon from a few years ago, and he's playing Stadia from around the country, all around the country. And like that isn't replicated in his, in Britain, where he's from, in terms of that absolute sort of level, that scale. We also got behind David Gray in a way that nobody else did. I mean, White Ladder is still the best-selling album in Irish chart history, bigger than anything U2 did, for instance. And at the time that we were embracing him and, and having him at arenas, I mean, he couldn't get arrested in the UK. So it's a, it's a curious factor about the Irish, about how as some of us, a, a, a large cohort of us, really get behind certain people and a lot of us, kind of inexplicab- inexplicably in some senses, have got behind Garth Brooks and are still behind him. And when you look at the, the ticket sales here from, from uh, the, the abandoned concerts in 2040, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 400,000 people. Now, mm. you'd imagine north and south, probably some people coming across from, yeah. from the UK, maybe some fans from, from the US saying this, this will be an event. You, bre- you break it down, though, it's one in 12 effectively, of the population were, were, were of north and south were going to it. Is it just that it, it, it took on a life of its own? It became an event? Yeah, I've, I've long held this idea that a lot of Irish people are event junkies and they want to go to the huge show in town, whether that's the All-Ireland final. I mean, I know people that rock up somehow managed to get a ticket for the All-Ireland Hurling Finals every year and they aren't seeing it at a game throughout the rest of the year, but they recognise that it's an event. I think it was the same with Ed Sheeran and absolutely the same with Garth Brooks. Like, I got a text yesterday from a guy, 
back home in Tipperary. I haven't heard from him for a long time. And he's going, do you think it'll be hard to get a ticket? And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to re- recognise this guy, a school friend, as somebody who would want to go to Garth Brooks because I'm pretty sure back in the early 90s he would have been among the first to moan about this guy. Probably I was the, I was maybe the first or second to moan about him, but he would have been up there. And, and it made me think that actually a lot of people just get galvanized by the idea of something massive happening. I don't need to remind everybody listening to this what we've all been through over the past 18 months. Um, we're hankering for huge events again. And I think there is a large aspect of this in terms of the event junkie idea. And I would go back to 79. I mean, what happened in 79? Well, Galway threw away in All-Ireland for a start. Kenny, of course, grabbed that. But also a, a, a chap from Rome came to visit. St. Patrick, I too have heard the voice of the Irish. I mean, Pope John Paul II, absolutely enormous event. Um, I mean, I, I simply don't believe that the 1.25 million people estimated to be at, at, at Phoenix Park were all very devout Catholics. I, th- I think there was a lot of people saying this is, a, this is the biggest show not just this September, but any September. And I want to be there to see what it's like. Ditto Galway and Clonmacnoise and Knock and Drogheda and all the other places that he went to over those three days. And I think we still see remnants of that today. And I think a lot of people, if these shows go ahead at Croke Park, they honestly wouldn't be, they probably never listened to Garth Brooks. But they will listen to him that night because they'll go, do you know what? My friends are going and such and such is going and her her mother is going and look, their granny is going as well. So I want to be there to see what the fuss is about. So Garrett Brooks now bigger than the Pope. (laughs) Possibly. In reality, is the Garrett Brooks popularity a reflection of the popularity of of country and Irish music? I think it's a huge part of the appeal. I mean, there's no surprise in some ways, that the most popular Late Late Show outside of the toy show tends to be the country special. Again, you know, you've people like me going, Jesus, there's nothing to watch on a Friday night. I might look at it next Friday night. But yet there's a there's a massive audience for that. I know that there's a certain newspaper that that frequently does country special supplements and sometimes they add 10,000 extra print sales to it. So there is a large cohort of people, particularly in rural Ireland, especially along the border areas, that are really into this type of music. And it's endured, I suppose, since the show band days. And again, it doesn't tend to be part of any sort of zeitgeist that cool folk are talking about, but that doesn't mean it isn't there and it isn't important to those people. So, Melanie, here we are in September of 2021 and we've got one of the biggest comebacks of all time being announced. But anyway, enough about the ABBA reunion. We also have another Garrett Brooks saga uh, coming up here. And you can hear the thunder roll and the lightning strike once again. What exactly is going to happen, do you think, uh, on, on this occasion as Garrett Brooks is once again seeking to play five gigs in Dublin? I would be, if I was a betting woman, I'd say he'd get away with three. I wouldn't be too confident about five. What we do know is that he's in advanced stages of negotiations, that a representative of his is in advanced stages of negotiations with promoters to make something happen in Crow Park 
next year. Um, what we do know also is that uh, an event application has gone in and OEL um, via Aiken Promotions. That's for April. That's two dates in April. Um, but I can also reveal that um, an application has also gone in for Crow Park to use their special events license. This is the one that isn't subject to planning and they're allowed to do that three times every year. And the dates are September 9th, 10th and 11th. And obviously there's huge speculation. That's the slot that Brooks will occupy. And I think if he was going to go for any more, he's um, he's taken a very bad trip down memory lane. It's going to make an acid trip in the 60s look like a walk in the park. We're looking at the real thing. So coming back this time next year, you expect again that it will sell out no matter how many nights he does, be it, be it three or five or whatever. I have no doubt that these tickets are going to sell like proverbial hotcakes. And in fact, a lot of people go out of their way to be like, I'm buying 10 tickets or whatever their allocation is because they want to prove their loyalty to him and that they still love Garth Brooks and he's the king and they'll be singing his praises from the rooftops. They would forgive him anything. He's such a loyal fan base. And there was a gig there in, um, I think it was Kansas City there. It set a new record for how fast it sold out. There's nothing this guy can't do for his fans, you know, and they absolutely idolise him. Seven years is nothing to them. They they would wait 70 years for none. I think this time around he's going to have to make 100% sure that, you know, the the T's are are crossed and the I are dotted. And that's why they've come out so early with this, like a year in advance. They just can't let the same fiasco happen. So I I think if if I were a betting woman, which I am sometimes, um, I would say he's going to come out sooner rather than later with this. And in the meantime, we'll keep the Mexican ambassador on standby just to intervene. Absolutely. Sure, why not? We'll, we'll get Bertie out for a comment as well while we're at it. Why not? <laughs> that was Melanie Finn, Irish Independent Entertainment Correspondent. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and this week's In Focus was produced by Mary Carroll and Siobhan McGuire, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips with thanks to RTE and Independent.ie.